Welcome back to Inside the Kentucky Derby, where it's the height of Derby Week and it's the greatest time of the year here at Churchill Downs. And thanks again for listening to Inside the Kentucky Derby, which of course wouldn't be possible without Woodford Reserve with 200 flavor notes in every sip. Woodford Reserve is a spectacle for the senses. Please enjoy responsibly. Kevin Kirstein, Darren Rogers, and D. You know, we had a great podcast last week with uh, two Hall of Famers. We figured we have to keep the Hall of Fame tradition going here on Inside the Kentucky Derby, especially here with Kentucky Derby Week now upon us. Yeah, you know, especially following the post-position draw, there's there's no one better than a former jockey who, oh, by the way, uh, is in the Hall of Fame and has won the Kentucky Derby on, uh, uh, on, on multiple occasions. It's great to have NBC's Hall of Fame jockey, Jerry Bailey, thank you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. It's always fun coming back here. It, uh, I've it got is. fond memories. You've got uh, tremendous memories of winning the Derby, of course. Uh, sea Hero back in '93. How many rides did you have in the Derby prior to that? Can you think oh, of? Gosh, '93 first one was I think in '82, uh, maybe eight, seven or eight. It, because I didn't ride every year. I wasn't yeah. good enough to ride every year mm-hmm. uh, then. Um, but it was a surprise. Hey, hey, look, I worked him. We were talking in the barn area this morning. Randy Moss, my colleague, and I were going through the barn area. And we are talking about horses working on the track. And can you tell if they like it or not? I worked Sea Hero on this track before the Derby, and he hated it. Hmm. Huh. So I told my wife, I said, listen, he's a long shot. He hates the track. Don't even come. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Our son wow. Justin was six months old, so she was home with him. And he won. That's the first thing I thought about when I hit the wire. I said, oh, my God, I told my wife to stay home. <gasps> Let's no. go. You brought up 82. So that was, what, 11 years prior. Um, you did. You won the race in your sixth mount. Going back to 82, take take me to those those memories of coming to Churchill Downs for the first time. Did you, did you, did you cry during my old Kentucky home? Were you overcome? I I cry every time I hit the track with my old Kentucky home, whether it was the first one I rode or the last one I rode, whether I'm sitting in the stands or in the, in the booth with NBC, when they play that song, I mean, chills just go up my spine and and I, and I weep up. I do. And 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 go ahead. No, I I think it's so unique hearing that because, uh, you know, last week we asked Brad Cox that same question and you would think, you know, the Louisville native, the blood, you know, gets pumping with my old Kentucky home. He said he doesn't even really hear it when he's running laser focused. Really? Yeah. I don't hear the crowd when I'm riding. Yeah. But when I'm coming out on the, on the horse or sitting in the stands, when they play that song, Oh my God, he says he's so in tune to his horses and how they're behaving. Right with the roar of the crowd and everything. Yeah. He's just laser focused. I get at it. At that moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you can talk about this, of winning the Derby and even riding in the Derby. It's different for everybody. Those years, you probably flew on an airplane and you got yeah. the Nate, the, the stranger next to you strikes up a conversation. Right. What do you do? First question to ask is always, have you ever ridden in the Kentucky Derby? Yeah. That is the first question. And you could answer. Yeah. And now you, you your answer is yeah. I won it twice. Yeah. Well, they, they follow that up with, do you ever win it? Yeah. And if you tell them yes, which in my case I have, it's like, they're stunned. No, really? <laughs> you're like, you're, you're for real then. I mean, that's when they really take you seriously of of what you did. It's a separator. It's a separator. And and people don't know. They might think they know. This is, and I've ridden in Dubai. I've ridden in Japan. I've ridden in England. 
this is the hardest race in the world to win. Mm -hmm. People just don't understand how incredibly hard it is because you might have the best horse uh, leading into the Kentucky Derby. You might have the best horse on the week of the Kentucky Derby, but if you don't have the best horse on that day, meaning nothing goes wrong physically or, you know, during the course of the race, then you're not going to win. And what I always think it makes it great. I mean, the jockeys, the trainers, the owners, they all have a chance at redemption, but the equine athlete itself, you got one shot and one shot only. Yeah. Look at I, when I came here in 2003, I was nearing the end of my career and I desperately wanted to win a triple crown. And I was on a horse named empire maker. And I thought that was the horse. Mm -hmm. He had beaten funny side in the wood Memorial easily. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I beat him by like a half a length, but I could have beat him by five just as easily saving him for the Kentucky Derby. And of course, if you don't win this one, then the rest is moot. And he injured a hoof, you know, on yeah, like Tuesday. Foot, right? Yeah. On Tuesday of that week. And he missed a day of training and he wasn't the same. And, um, and still ran second. He said he ran second. I, and we were at the draw and that's the years of draw. You could pick your own post mm -hmm. and like, Five was available. And Frankel, Bobby Frankel, the trainer said, no, let's, let's pick way out. I don't want you getting in trouble. I said, no, 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 no. I said, I need to save ground in the first turn. So he, he wouldn't let me pick the inner post. I picked the outer post. And I, of course I got hung three or four wide on the first turn. And you expect to be wide on the second turn because you're moving and you can't always, you know, assume you're going to save ground. And of course he ran second. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's so incredibly hard to win, even though, you know, you're on the best horse. Take us to the break of the starting gate. So yeah. I've talked to a couple of, of riders before, especially ones that have ridden in the race. And they always say, you know, sometimes trainers give instructions with the horse that may not show a lot of tactical speed. And they say, Hey, take back and save ground into the first turn. And a lot of riders in the Kentucky Derby have told me that they can't take back into that first turn because there's so many horses that could be, especially from an inside post coming over to them on their outside, which puts right. them almost in last or, you know, close to the back of the field, if they don't show some run into the first turn, how difficult is it drawing an inside post from that starting gate with a horse that may not have that tactical speed? Yeah. Unless you know, you're coming from like 18th or 20th, then you want to leave the starting gate to get good position. I don't care who you are. You want to get at least a good position. And what people may not understand is that in most races, if you decide you're fourth after 50 yards, you want to ease back to sixth. You can't do that in the Derby because you might be 12th. You might want to slide back one or two slots, but because of the amount of horses coming down in around you from the outside, then they squeeze you back eight or 10 spots. So it's very difficult to hold a good position. Wayne, Wayne Lucas told us that the other day on the podcast. He says the Derby is won and lost going into that first turn, yeah. period. Look, I was a planner when I rode. I was a strategist. That was my strength. And I had two, three, four plans in any particular race. I knew who to follow. I knew where I was going to be pretty much. You can't do that in the Kentucky Derby because there's so many variables, uh, so many horses that could do different things based upon the break. And my philosophy was I want to be, I, I will settle for being about where I want to be. Not exactly because you almost never are exactly where you want to be. So coming into the race and prior to the draw on Monday, you know, on paper, this Derby doesn't look like it has a the most speed in the world as compared to previous That's years. That's fair. That's fair. I've I've always been under the impression. Look, when you have three million dollars on the line, you go into that first turn. Somebody hits the backstretch. One of those guys is going to make a move. 
Somebody's going to make a move and they're going to make a move too soon. Don't you think there's always a quick pace when their money's on the line in a big grade one? There, there typically is. There always was before the point system. Sure. Because you yeah, had graded earnings and they two-year-olds could get in, two-year-olds that mm-hmm. have speed but aren't as good as longer distances, and they always ensured a great pace. But you go back just a couple of years, authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, he was able to get on a, a fairly easy lead. Nobody challenged him down the backside. And he took it gate to wire. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this year is more like that year. I think there's two or three horses that have tactical speed, but nobody really that blasts off. Verifying, reincarnate, maybe Derma Sotagaki. Those are the three horses I think mm-hmm. will probably be one, two, three in, in no particular order. Well, what about after this draw? So, um, I mean, poor Brad Cox, I thought had to probably threw up in his mouth just a little bit when he drew not just yeah. the one, he drew the two as well. With hit show and verifying, I mean, verifying's got to spring out of there, doesn't he? Yeah, but he has speed. He showed it in the yeah. bluegrass. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I don't know that he has to be on the lead because Brad has another horse in there named Jace's Road mm-hmm. who has some speed, which I think they will use from the outside to string it out just a little bit. So I, I know you've watched all these races. If you're, if you're James Graham and a horse like Confidence Game, who previously showed speed in his prior starts, Last time out, kind of rolled a little bit from mid-pack off the pace. What do you do with a horse like him? Do you put him into the race? Do you come up with a business plan and and, and plan A and B and sit back? I think with a horse like him, you have to leave the gate assuming that you're going to be forward. And if you are comfortably fine, if they outrun you and there's more speed than what anybody anticipates, then you let them go. But if if you leave there too conservative and you're back behind... 12 horses and the pace slows up, there's nothing you can do about it. Can you talk about the, 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 I think it's the importance of being on the outside with three horses vying for position. You don't want to be in the, on the rail. You don't want to be on the two hole, right? Don't you want to be in that tracking position in the clear? You want to be the hunter, not the hunted. Yeah. Yeah, Right. I mean, and why is that? Because, if you're on the inside, then they, the outs, outer horses that are hunting you, that are chasing you, that are stalking you, have the ability to put pressure anytime they want. So the control is out of your hands. If you're the outermost horse in a trio, then it, the control is in your hands. If you don't feel like putting pressure and making the pace faster, then you don't have to. Is that what makes a good jockey trying to not put yourself in that position? And I'm not saying this. I've told people this for years. Right now, I think two really hot riders right now, Flavian Pratt and Louis Saez, seem to be in the right spot at the right time. And you and Gary Stevens in the mid-90s, when you were riding Cigar, Gary at the time when he uh, what came over, won the Derby, he was in Hong Kong back right. and forth. You guys were – what I loved about your riding style is you you were never in the bad spot. You didn't win every race, but you put your horse in position. How important is it establishing that position, especially for horses like many of these young three-year-olds probably don't want to run on the inside of horses, getting in the clear on the outside? Well, if the race permits it, yeah, it's important. Listen, my philosophy was put the horse in a position to win. If he's good enough, great. I mean, a, a great jockey cannot make a slow horse win, but you can put them in a position, and if they're good enough, then they will. And to me... A lot of times you don't have to be a hero. You know, you can just be a passenger for the most part. Sometimes you have to be a pilot. 
Sometimes you have to take the edge. If you know that you're not on the best horse, you might have to sit on the, on the rail and just hope something opens up and, and play the race like that. But most of the time, if you think you're on the best horse, just put him in a spot where make it easy on him. If you're Irad Ortiz Jr. on Forte, who's breaking from the outside, you can, post. you can sort of see the riders to his outside, Gerardo Corrales, Christoph Lemaire, Junior Alvarado, Paco Lopez, and Ryusi Sakai from Japan. What do you go as a mindset of Irad? What would your riding instructions be to Irad on Forte with knowing that the horse is to his outside and who those riders are? Well, I probably wouldn't give him any. He's doing most things right, right? True, yeah, yeah. true. And, and, but Todd is a great communicator, and he can tell him in, in 15 seconds anything he needs to know. <laughs> uh, but I, look, knowing the horse Forte, I would leave there with enough energy that you make the guys outside you pay a price for outrunning you and clearing you. So, you know, you leave there with enough and, and ask your horse to run forward enough to where the outside horses at least have to use a little energy to get by you, to get over and save ground on the first turn, then you've done your job. You've you've weakened them a little bit, I've and never you thought can tuck of that. in. I've never yeah. thought of a race that way in all my years of watching <laughs> races, of how much of an advantage that can be, utilizing a little speed from the gate yeah. to use up others. Yeah, to make them, because they have to run at least a half a length faster than you to clear you to get over. Even so, though that's not your style. Like you're right. going to end up mid pack. Right. But then you can do that later on down the stretch. Then you can ease back, find a good position. This is the great. That's why he's on the hall of yeah, fame. That's why he's in the hall of fame. That's why he's in the hall of fame. That's why we're sitting it's here. Easy. That's why we're sitting here. But, just... but another thing people don't realize is to me, it was equally as important. And if you had to give up a spot either closer or further back is don't get bumped around much. Because it takes a lot out of these horses when they get slammed going down the stretch the first time. You wouldn't, I mean, if you've ever been in New York and in a crowded streets in New York and they bang you around, you're tired at the end of walking four or five blocks because people are pushing you around. It's the same with horses. If you can give a horse a clean trip with very little bumping into the first turn, you've probably saved a length right there in energy. So how are you seeing this race? What, uh, you know, I hate to spoil it's, it's anything so tough, for NBC, yeah, I mean, but no, uh, no, it's fine. Yeah. Randy and I go over these things. We did a simulation yesterday after the draw and, and I see verifying having to go a little bit from the inside. Derma Sotagake from the outside. I think reincarnate. He blew out really, really sharp in Santa Anita the other day. Mm -hmm. And his best race was on the lead. Baffert's horses. Well, let me take that back. They keep going. Uh, previous yes. Baffert horses, they, but yeah, Samyak team trains a previous Baffert horse. That's their style anyway. So I think those three, along with Jace's Road, uh, one of Cox's horses, I think they prompt the pace. Then you have a whole group of horses that could be forward mid-pack, true mid-pack, and back mid-pack. And that would include Forte. That would include competitive, I mean, pract uh, practical uh, practical move. move. Uh, horses, um, the horse that won the Arkansas Derby, Angel, Angel of Empire. Empire He'll yep. probably be mid-packish. But there's about eight horses that want to be mid-pack, so it is going to get crowded in there. And, and I think, you know, look at a horse like Tappet Trice, who clearly does not like to be inside of horses, and he drew the five-hole. Yeah. It's that's a lot gonna, too soon, isn't to, it? To me, I, and I, you know, I like this horse a lot, but for his, and I think he's the most talented horse in the race. Mm -hmm. I really do. But he's got quirks, and he does have, he has below average mid-race acceleration. And the best tool a jockey can have on a horse is a horse that accelerates very quickly at full speed or three-quarter speed because the holes open up and close very quickly during the middle of these races, the, the Kentucky Derby. So if you have a horse that can get to a hole quick and then idle again for you, 
That is the biggest weapon and the biggest tool that you can have in an animal. Stop and start. Yes. Who was the best you rode on that? Grindstone was great at it. Mm -hmm. And I was able to improve a position and then idle. Improve a position, then idle. And that's something that Tappet Trice doesn't have. He has the ability to go a mile and a quarter with no question. He's probably the most talented horse in the race. But somewhere down that backside, Luis Saez, his jockey, is probably going to have to look to go outside for that clear run. So you rode Tejano run in the year before Grindstone, right? So how often did you think of that runner-up finish with Tejano run? In that no, I think that's the best he could do. I mean, he, he was a hard-trying horse. You know what it keeps me up at night? People don't understand this either. Mm-hmm. As hard as it is to win the Kentucky Derby, it might be harder to choose which horse you're going to ride. Oh, I won two and, and chose wrong four times. Give us the ones that were the okay, wrong choices. So I won it in 93. In 94... Um, 94 was Gopher Jen. Yeah, I, I rode him in the wood and took off of him. Yeah. Wow. And then Ergen, I, I was, uh, was going to ride Ergen for Steve Young, and he and he, and he got foot. hurt. He got hurt after winning the wood. Right. Wow. Okay. So, so then in 95, was that Thunder Gulch? Oh, yes. I Wayne Lucas called me because Gary Stevens didn't want to come back and ride him. He said, will you ride him? I said, no. So he eventually got Gary to come back and ride we him. We talked right? that. Mike Smith ended up convincing Gary to come over. 96, I won it. Yeah. And then I took off of Charismatic because I had a previous commitment with Worldly Manor for Sheikh Mohammed. Wow. That's exactly right. I won the Lexington on him and then couldn't ride him in the Kentucky Derby. And I thought the Lexington that year. He ran a super it race. Was, it was the best prep race of all. Yes. Even though it was three weeks before. Or no, that was two weeks before the Derby back then. Yeah. And, uh, but that was, I remember I was in the Lone Star Park press box with Dallas Morning News, Gary West. We watched that yeah. race and we all said, you know what? Visually, that is the best prep race. And what did we do? We got off them on Derby <laughs> Day. We didn't bet. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. And it's even tougher now because these horses don't run as many preps. You yeah. know, they space, these trainers are spacing them out so you don't have as many races to just get a good judgment on them. What do you think of that? Is, that, uh, is, it, just, is it the breed? Is it training styles today? Is it both. just picking spots? I think it's a little of both. Um, I think breed is weakened a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the style, I mean, you don't have guys like Wayne Lucas is wheeling back a horse in an undercard in the Ali Sheba uh, last samurai in two weeks. Yeah. Doesn't think anything about it because he thinks old school. Yep. The younger generation would never do that. What do you think of Disarm? I like him. I, I loved his race in Louisiana Derby. He didn't have enough points. And I don't think he was fully cranked for the Lexington. That's why I bring it up because that was he the style. He yeah. came back in 21 yeah. days. Right. Coming back in another 21 right, but he days. he didn't lay his body down that race. Yep. For whatever reason, he got en- enough to run third and get the points, but he didn't lay his body down. So I, I look at his biggest challenge is not whether he's talented enough, because I think he is, but whether he can get a trip through this, this crowd if it's not a fast pace. Because what happens without a fast pace is they get jammed up. We just talked about it. There's like eight horses want to be mid-pack, and there really shouldn't only be about five. So it's going to get crowded in there. Jerry, thank you. You got you got more, KK? No, I think I was just going to say, you know, this was so oh, this insightful. Is a good, this I is mean, a great primer as we finalize our handicapping where you try to visualize the race. I talk, can you talk, I've always talked about the, the importance for me from a handicapping standpoint is try to visualize how this race is going to unfold in terms of tears going into the first turn. Well, that's how I rode. That's, yeah. that's exactly how I rode. Yeah. In my mind, I could see these three horses there and, and, a, a, and maybe a group of six or seven being in these four spots. It could be anyone. 
But the biggest thing I did as a rider, I, if I came from behind, I tried to pick a horse that would carry me through the pack. that was good enough in front of me, like a blocker. Yep. It would get you through the field as he moved. And then once he turned for home, it didn't matter if he's good enough because then you just find any open spot. Yeah. Well, what, what about any of the derbies that you didn't win that you would go back? Would you do anything differently on any specific yeah, course? You guys are going to think I'm nuts, but I, I, this is one race and I've made mistakes in my life uh, in a lot of races. I don't think I cost any horse I rode a placing. I thought I rode this race really as good as possible well, every single time I rode it. That's great. It yeah. was just the choosing of the horse that, <laughs> right. that I wasn't very good at. That's all right. Hey. Well, let's hope we all choose correctly this coming Saturday. Jerry Bailey, thank you for the visit. Uh, great as always. Great to see you again back in Louisville. Having fun, as Thanks. always. Good luck to uh, you this weekend on the NBC broadcast. Be sure to tune into that. Lots of great stuff going on there. We'll be back with more Inside the Kentucky Derby throughout Kentucky Derby week. We're just getting started here on Inside the Kentucky Derby. Ladies.